just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to the Next Level Guy Show. Today's guest is Kiki Engo. She's a writer, speaker, and feminist activist. She's currently the sex and dating writer for the Thrillist Media Group. She was formerly the senior sex and lifestyle writer for Elite Daily, and her articles have been shared over 20 million times, with her top post reaching over 1 million shares. She's written for a variety of publications, including Men's Health, The Nonsense Society, Today, and The Good Men Project. Um, well, I discovered you on Elite Daily, um, found a few articles through that. Um, for those of you people who are listening or not, who are not sure who you are, can you just give me a little bit about your backstory, who you are, where you're from, etc.? Sure. Um, okay, well, my name is Gigi, and I'm a sex writer for Thrillist. Um, I started a sex blog when I was in college that I just sort of overshared all of my Tinder dates on. And a girl from Elite Daily followed my blog and then uh, asked if I wanted a job there. And at the time, it was just a really small company. There were like 20 of us. And it grew really fast. And I started writing about sex primarily because I thought that an honest and raw voice was not really present on the market. It was just your regular cosmopolitans and... It was sort of whitewashed, and a lot of it was aimed for men. And I thought that there needed to be, like, real legitimate women's issues that were discussed in a way that people could understand. So that was my focus. And then in August, I moved over to Thrillist, where I'm heading up most of the sex and dating content there as well. And I do a podcast with my domestic partner um, where we talk about our relationship. So it's just a lot of sex and relationship stuff. When I had a look, I was very impressed with the sort of just the level and the you know the variety of topics that you looked into. Um, how does it, doing the podcast with your current partner? How does that affect your you know your relationship? Does he have an issue with you discussing it online with anybody that you know can tune in? I think that I have an unusual situation in that like I'm dating the raddest dude ever. He just is really understanding. He's really cool about it. I wasn't really writing. I was writing on my own little blog when he and I started, got together, but I wasn't doing anything major. I wasn't even working at Elite Daily yet. So we've been together a really long time. I think that's, he's sort of seen the evolution of my career, which I think is partially responsible for why he's so cool with everything. But he's honestly, he's really awesome. And he's cool with doing, I do a lot of op-ed experiments with new sex toys and I try all kinds of weird shit and he's always down to do it. I'm not, I'm not allowed to use his, his name. So that's, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm, but he'll do them and he'll let me write about him in like a, this is my, my boyfriend and I tried this thing or my partner and I tried this thing. Um, and he's, he's cool. He's fine with it. Um, he doesn't love when I call myself a slut, but it's fine. Uh, and, um, on our podcast, it's, it was, it was honestly, it was his idea in the first place, and we have a really open and honest relationship. 
And I think that being with somebody who understands me and who is really um, open with me and who is very unconditionally supportive has actually been really good for my writing because I know that he's always going to be there and is never going to judge me or um, be upset about anything I write. So it's great. No, it's certainly something, uh, you know, that's refreshing to see a couple that are willing to share and discuss. And, you know, there's that, that great stigma lately of discussing sex and it's a taboo subject. And, you know, I really enjoyed your article about this, um, what you learned about me called a slut. And, you, you know, oh, you, you yeah. took it empowering rather than the sort of traditional views of the negative views which is, I mean, the fact that somebody likes sex, that people call him a slut, it's just ridiculous. Um, I mean, I, I'm quite like a partner like that myself, to be honest. I mean, so what does your family think of you get initially into this kind of field? Were they apprehensive about you doing this sort of thing? Or, because, um, I mean, because I, I run the honestly, podcast. Yeah, I mean, well, the podcast, my, my mom loves my podcast. She thinks it's so cool. Um, and my parents are actually also really dope they're like really supportive of the um the sex writing and the all everything like my mom introduces me to her friends and she'll be like this is my daughter she writes about blowjobs for a living and she thinks it's so cool and funny the one problem she has with it is like she doesn't understand why i have to swear so much she'll be like Gigi, why do you have to say fuck so much a lady never says fuck and i'm like i'm writing about anal what about this is a being ladylike <laughs> so that's her one yeah that's like her one qualm with it my dad is super cool about it too we don't talk about sex because i think that would be weird but he'll send me he'll be on amazon and he'll find like cool erotica books that just show up in his feed and he'll like send me them and be like in case you wanted some reading this seemed like something you'd like and he tries to be really supportive in his own way it's it's actually really sweet no that's that's great to hear um i've got family and friends who are not quite sure what this whole internet and podcast and you know they're not interested in the same sort of things as me so it can be difficult for them to to, you know, it's our family to understand what you're doing, but you can feel the passion and the intensity of when you write and, you know, when you talk about things and, you know, your, your various sort of hangouts, etc. Um, it's something, I mean, I've become a big fan over the last wee while. So I would, just to sort of avoid the usual kind of standard questions, I've got a sort of range of different things, so we may jump around a bit, but if there's something that you want to maybe expand on, just give us a shout. Um, can you tell me what makes you happiest about writing, you know, and looking at sex and dating relationships? You know, is it seeing feedback from somebody about their transformation or do you just enjoy investigating your sexuality, that sort of thing? Or is there something else that you like about it? I think that it's a, it's a combination of a few things, but I think that there is actually... I can hear my voice on the playback, sorry. It's, like, very distracting. But, um... I think there's no, nothing more important than talking about sexuality and relationships. I think that it's so it's so critical to the human condition and to the human experience that it's um, it's critical that we talk about it. And because there's so many problems with slut shaming and with like sexuality being considered taboo, talking about those issues and having a platform for people to be able to talk about those issues, which is what I try to provide. I think is what connects people to my content. And I think that the most interesting thing that I've found from people is making them feel a little bit less alone 
especially on the whole like slut thing. I've written so many articles that are about being a slut and embracing your sluttiness and your sexuality and whatnot. And I think that that's, it's so good to see feedback from readers who feel like I've written something that they can really connect to and something they really want to know more about. And they feel like they have someone who they can look to in a world that makes them feel like shit about themselves for liking sex. And I think that it's important to be that person. And if someone's going to do it, I guess it should be me. No, no, it's, it's something you should be proud of. You know, you've, you've helped a lot of people and from reading the comments, it's, you know, it was quite amazing to see the sort of impact it's had on people's lives and how it's sort of empowered a lot of women to, to be able to accept that they like sex, that they can talk about it, that they can, you know, it's not a bad thing. Um, I've had partners who are very, who are very sexual and partners who were very shy about the whole thing and, you know, for a guy it's easy, you're a stud if you, you plough your way through, shall we say. And for a woman, it's, you know, you've got a, bad, a negative rep for it, and it's completely unfair. Um, I mean, sex, sex should be great for everybody. I just don't get, I don't understand it. So, you know, maybe it's just a masculine ego issue. Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with that. And I think that the more that we array, like try to talk about those taboos and the more we try to band together as opposed to putting women down, the easier it will be for everyone to talk about these things and the less... Um, the less derogatory we could be towards women. And um, I think it's up to us as the next generation to change the way that we talk about sex, the way we talk about women, and hopefully it will be for the best. So, I mean, do you, how do you deal with things? Is it a case of people write to you and ask you questions and you answer, or do you deal with people over a sort of long term and deal with their issues, etc.? You know, do you have clients that come to you, or is it just a kind of like an agony aunt sort of thing, and you investigate particular topics, etc.? Um, well, for the column for In Bed with Gigi Angle, it's, it's usually a, 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 write, a reader will reach out to me um, with a question, and then I change a lot, of, a lot of the details, not a lot of them, but like enough details so that they aren't identifiable. Um, and then I write them back a really long, unedited email and we usually go back and forth a couple of times, but usually that first email that I write back to them is the column, is what will be published. Um, but I, I'm happy to talk with them for as long as they want to. If they have more questions about what I wrote to them or they need more advice about something else, I'm always open to helping people. I think that people, it takes a lot of courage and it takes a real feeling of for like terror to feel the need to reach out to somebody on the internet for advice. I, I think that that person probably doesn't have the emotional support system that they deserve. And so if I can be that person for them, then I'm totally open to doing that because I think that everybody needs someone to talk to. No, it's, it's a very good thing. A lot of men don't have that sort of person. You know, it's difficult to speak to a GP, like, you know, your doctor or, speak to a family member about something you know like mothers don't want to hear about their sons talking about their partner's sexual activity sisters don't want to hear it you know um, especially in the UK it's very taboo to openly discuss it so that's why it's good to have somebody like a neutral and partial person that you can write to and you've just got a way of making it easy accessible you know just 
like like one of the you know just like a friend you're saying discussing it with um you know you don't make any judgments and you're i couldn't stop laughing at how good your writing style is but i was coming away learning things without even realizing it and um i just couldn't That's stop reading goal. them so is there a set of sort of common problems you see or is it quite unique and varied depending on the age ranges the genders etc i think that it's it's definitely a wide range of topics, um, but one of the things I'm seeing pretty consistently lately is a lot of girls who are, re a lot, I have a lot of guys who reach out to me, and they are usually dealing with a whole range of topics, like they're always so different, but with girls, I have had a lot of women who have reached out to me, understandably, that they have a much higher sex drive than their partners, and I think that we live in a society that, obviously we live in a society that tells women that men are the ones with the high sex drive and women aren't supposed to feel that way. And if your boyfriend doesn't want to have sex with you or your husband doesn't want to have sex with you, then that's normal and you should be catering to his sex drive and you shouldn't be pushing him and don't make him feel like if you want more sex that you're, that that's emasculating him. And so I have a lot of girls who reach out to me and they really don't know what to do. They're like, I have a higher sex drive. My partner doesn't want to have sex and I don't know how to have that conversation because if, she didn't want to, she would still be expected to, you know? Yeah, I mean... But guys aren't expected to do anything. Well, I mean, that was an area I was going to get into. I've had friends mention that. I mean, I could never understand it. I mean, I'm uh, ready, ready, <laughs> willing always. But for those people who have lower sex drives or higher than, you know, their current partner, is there a way for them to maybe bring it up without offending or upsetting their partner? I mean, what kind of advice would you give to somebody in that situation? I think that it's really about approach. It's, it's how you talk about something, not why you talk about something. If you bring up a lower, the fact that you're not having enough sex with your partner in a way that's really accusatory and sort of like, you're not meeting my needs and this is what I need from you and if you don't do this, I'm going to break up with you. That's not how you get a, re a positive result. That's only, using guilt is never going to have the effect you want. And it's really easy to get wrapped up in those conversations and just be like, well, you're not giving me what I want out of this relationship. And that's not really a fair way to do it because it's not like the person has a low sex drive because they want to have a low sex drive in most cases. I mean, sometimes if you're not like physically attracted to your partner and that's the reason you're not having sex with them, maybe that's a different issue that you should actually be considering. Mm. But if you just have a low sex drive and, and you're if you, or your partner has a low sex drive and you want to bring it up to them, you really have to come to, from a place of empathy and understanding. And you're in a relationship with somebody. It's not, there's no right or wrong way to experience sexuality. So there are a lot of alternatives to just straight up P and the B sex. Like you don't just have to have intercourse. You can come up with a compromise. Um, if your partner wants to have sex once a week and you want to have sex three times a week, maybe you have sex twice a week. Or if it's your partner wants to have sex once a month and you want to have sex every day, like maybe you have sex once a week. And if you if it's that that's not going to work for you, you can also masturbate together. You can watch porn together. There are all these different ways, and there's no wrong way to have sex, and there's no wrong way to experience pleasure. It's really what makes you happy. And if you're not in a relationship with somebody who's willing to communicate about those things and compromise with you and make sure that everyone's needs are met then that's a totally different problem in itself. You're with somebody who obviously doesn't care enough about you and your relationship to make it work. And I think that that's cause for alarm in a totally different way. But if you can have those conversations and really find a way to compromise and 
make it work, then that's a really strong relationship. No, it's a very good answer. I mean, I've always been feel able to discuss these things, but I've often felt I was a bit kind of a bit too forward compared to most people. And I mean, I can understand why some people, you know, it can be a touchy subject. It can be a sort of like an issue like they your partner might take it that you don't fancy them that you know you've gone off them etc so it can be sort of a minefield to bring up but um no i definitely like your advice there so do you see like a standard problem with modern day phenomenon is it like our you know drinking heavy is it drugs is it our poor diets i mean is there something that's causing this sort of decrease in sex drive or is it quite a sort of limited? I think that um, those, the reasons someone has a low sex drive, I'm not a doctor, first of all, so I can't make a medical assessment of that, but there are so many different factors that you have to consider. Alcohol abuse can definitely uh, lower libido. If you're, if you're drinking to the point where it's killing your sex drive, then you probably need to not drink as much. Like, that's not, and that's something that needs, that's a totally different a totally different. If you're drinking to the point where you're having trouble with your sex drive, that's probably indicative of a drinking problem, and you might want to really cut back at that point. Drugs can obviously affect libido. Um, they can cause erectile dysfunction, depending on the on the substance. A lot of what I found is that um, I mean, I don't. I know that they. I don't know if they have. Do you guys have antidepressants and stuff in the UK? Yeah, it's quite okay. uh, very common nowadays. Because that's a real that's a real factor that I've seen in a lot of the people who write in is that their boyfriend or their partner is on antidepressants and that's causing a lower sex drive and that can be a real killer. Um, but a lot of the time, um, age is a big factor. Um, my partner and I have a pretty significant age difference. It's not like super significant; it's like six years, but. He's, he's in his 30s, so he has a lower sex drive than I do, and we have to compromise. And it's it works for us because we talk about it and communicate, and he just has a lower sex drive because he's older. I mean, I've found that once you start the conversation, it's never as bad as you always think, you know. I think your mind just produces the worst-case scenario, and it very rarely is. Um, something I did really enjoy was... You looked at articles like how sugar is wrecking your life, how working out helps you get better in bed, you know. So you were promoting a sort of more healthier lifestyle. Um, what you know? Can you go discuss some of your favorite articles, some of your favorite topics? Um, if somebody wanted to check out your, you know, your sort of roll call, your honor list of your best stuff, which ones would you send somebody to read first? Um. Well, I, I love those ones that are that are promoting a that promote a healthy sex life and promote a healthy life in general. Um, working out really can boost your libido and it boosts your testosterone levels, which can help your part if your partner your male partner is having trouble um, getting getting aroused. Then that's a really a really natural way to help boost it. I think that um, my favorite content is more like the is more is more of the wild stuff. Like I did a um, an ultimate guide to pegging, um, and I had a lot of original photos, and it was a really comprehensive guide, and it was a lot of fun to write. And I love doing that like crazy shit that people kind of want to try but aren't sure how to start. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that was a really fun one to do. do um, know, but I, I love the ones that are that are that take a certain topic, like the sugar one, and open up an entire other level that people may not have thought of. Like sugar makes you fat, and everybody knows that, but they may not know that it also will kill your boners. Do you know that's what I love about this podcast? I can go from sugar to pegging. Yeah, you never know what you're gonna get, man. Well, <laughs> it sounds like an interesting night. Um, so, let's just see. So, who in sort of the today's society, who do you look at as a good role model for you know promoting sexuality? Um, you know, so who can somebody look to? Is there particular people in the entertainment industry and in films that you look at and say that's a very good kind of, you know, like a, a guy, like a potential, a good boyfriend or a strong man that um, anybody listening can sort of watch the film and try to, you know, incorporate more of their characteristics? If so I'm, you mean a, like a male celebrity? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I really used to like as a kid was watching films and, you know, and sort of trying to be more like the characters, like some of the stronger characters, sort of like the heroes in the films, etc. Because um, I, I didn't really understand about self-development at the time, but I just tried to be a bit more like, you know, like the um, Jason Bourne, the James Bond, etc. Is there characters in films that you think, you know, that you can maybe recommend people check out? Um, like strong role models for male and females? Oh my god, I have probably never actually thought about this before. Um, I think that personally, my favorite um, female role model is um, Elizabeth from Pride and Prejudice. Um, she's like a really okay. strong woman who is really intelligent. She doesn't really take shit off of anyone. And when when her potential suitor, I don't. Have you read Pride and Prejudice? A long time ago. Okay, well, anyway, her potential suitor, like, is a complete piece of shit to her, and then is like, I love you, marry me, and she's like, ew, eat shit and die. And then he, like, <laughs> comes back, and a totally changed man, and sweeps her off her feet, and she's like, oh, okay, like, you deserve me now. So I think that's a really good example of just not letting people treat you like garbage, and so I love her. She's really dope. She also reads a lot, which is, which is nice. Um, I, I don't know about, like, male celebrities. Like, who would I consider... I'm obsessed with, um, uh, what's that guy's name? He's the guy who played Ben Wilder, Blake Lively's husband, Ryan, Ryan. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. Yes. I love Ryan Reynolds. He's obsessed with his wife. Like every woman should aspire to have a husband who looks at them the way that Ryan Reynolds looks, Ryan Reynolds looks at Blake Lively. He's also an awesome dad. And I think when you're looking for a potential partner, you have to really consider how they're going to be as a husband and father. So I think that he's a really good example of that. He's, like, super adorable and really hands-on. And I think that's rad. No, he's definitely one of those... That's what you might suggest. That's it's very good. I mean, it's, it's somebody who I admire a lot as well. Um, somebody I sort of look up to. You know, he's just... He owns everything. He lives his life the way he wants to be and he acts the way he wants to be it's, there's no sort of fakery about it and he's mm -hmm. um he is hilarious as well um i mean for it's for those people who you know who are maybe coming out of a bad breakup who are looking to get back into the sort of dating life 
is there a way for them to just move on and accept it? You know, somebody who thinks they're maybe with their partner, they're going to be there for a long time, and they've, you know, they've just had a breakup. How can they begin again? How can they get back into the flirting? The, you know, the, I, I hate the term pickup, but you know, how can they get back to embracing yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, I think that the first step to moving on from a breakup is realizing that you don't, you really shouldn't want to be with somebody who doesn't give a shit about you. Um, when, when you, when someone's broken up with you and like, I can hear my voice on the playback again. Sorry. It's so distracting. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so sorry if I sound crazy. Um, but I think that if you're with somebody who doesn't, if you want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with you, then there's something wrong with you. Like, why would you want to be with somebody who doesn't love you? That's just so illogical to me. So I think that the first step is really, there's always, there's the five stages of grief and the first, you have like sadness and then you have anger. And I think it's okay to um, acknowledge those feelings. And I don't think you have to bottle up your emotions and, you know, go out and fuck a bunch of people just because somebody broke up with you right away. Like if that's not how you deal with grief and that's not how you move on from stuff, then that's not a healthy way to deal with it. People always say like you should get under someone to get over someone, but I don't think that that works for everybody. I think for a lot of people who are going through a really emotional breakup, going out and hooking up with a bunch of people actually just makes them feel worse. And so if that's not, if that doesn't work for you, then that's, there's something wrong with that. If you need to take time to actually get over something without getting right back on Tinder and sleeping with a bunch of people, then you don't have to do that. That's not, there's no right way or wrong way to get over a breakup. It's really what works for you. And as far as getting back into the dating scene, um, I think that you shouldn't just jump into the next relationship right away. Like I have a friend who broke up with her boyfriend of two and a half years and then she went on one Bumble date, and she's been dating this guy ever since. And I don't think that that's a healthy way to go about breaking up with somebody. You shouldn't just be getting into another relationship after five seconds. You really need to take time for yourself and figure out what it was that was bad about the last relationship and what was toxic about it and learn about the learn from those experiences so that the next time you have a relationship, you can actually be ready to go into it uh, more grounded person because no relationship is a waste of time you learn something from every relationship even if the person was a piece of shit yeah it's um as a, a personal trainer friend of mine used to say there's no such thing as a bad day it's a, only a learning day you know you always learn exactly. um yeah because i well i broke up with uh the first love of my life a few years back and i was devastated and it, you know it was the end of the world etc so I started the podcast thinking, you know, it's a hobby, something to take my mind off it. And it's, you know, just by speaking to people who are experts in these kind of areas, it's amazing how it's just changed my life and shown me so many different things. And, you know, I've opened up discussions and things I would have never have normally discussed, like pegging, etc. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's amazing how, you know, how that just taking, like you're saying, taking the time to go away and work on yourself and take a breather can really help. Um, do you have any tips for anybody that's maybe looking at using things like Tinder, Bumble, um, my mind's gone blank, like Plenty of Fish, Match, you know, is there... Plenty of Fish, that would be my first. 
Just avoid it. That's a piece of shit. And people are gross on that app. I mean, not gross, like they look gross. Gross, like they're just like disgusting people. Don't go, don't use that one, would be my first tip. Um, as far as getting back into dating apps, I think that you should really just go for it. Getting back into them is like very stressful and can be kind of overwhelming. So maybe don't download all 7,000 of them right away. Um, maybe one or two. And uh, I don't care what anybody says about Tinder. I met my partner on Tinder. My sister met her fiance on Tinder and it's possible. So just go for it. So in terms of um, meeting new people, um, in the terms of from a female perspective, what sort of things does a guy do maybe subconsciously or openly, you know, that is it is like a red flag or you consider needy or desperate? You know, is there, is there things that you see a lot of guys doing who are trying to get better with women and dating, etc., that you have to keep going over and stopping them doing? Do you mean on, on dating apps or in person? Uh, for both. I mean, is do you see the same kind of mentality issues? Do you see people approaching things differently or...? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you want a girl to respond to you on a dating app, don't send her a fucking dick pic. Like, just don't send her your dick. Come on. That's... So that would be my first thing. Just don't send anyone your dick. Nobody <laughs> wants to see it. I think that there's this really... Well, like there's this really huge gap between men men and women where men want to show you their dick and women do not want to see it so just don't send your dick to people i've, also, I've, I've never understood that phenomenon to be honest <laughs> it's just like they want guys want to show you their penis and you're like i don't want to see your dick i never asked for this <laughs> and so that's one thing don't ever do that also no shirtless selfies for the love of god please it's so, it, your insecurities are so transparent. And then a thing about meeting girls in public is I see guys who use this really shitty pickup artist trick, which is called negging. And they'll go up to a girl in a bar and start picking away at her self-esteem and insulting her in an attempt to get her to want to prove herself to you. And for girls with low self-esteem, that actually, it actually works. And that's why it's a technique that pickup pick up artists use. But it's such a fucked up thing to do. And trying to attack a girl's self-esteem to make yourself feel better is tragic. And you're an asshole if you do that. So, don't. I mean, surely the whole point of it is to build somebody up that you want to, you know, you want to make that person... I think so. Yeah, I've never understood. It just seems a bit weird to kind of break something down that you are supposedly have feelings for. Um, I mean, another thing I found was there's a lot of people who have issues, you know, when they do get with somebody that they've maybe had more sexual partners than them, they're maybe earning more money, you know. Uh, I've seen a lot of guys deal with jealousy issues. I mean, is that something that you encounter a lot? And how can somebody sort of, you know, embrace their partner, accept their current status and move on? I know you wrote a good... Um, mailbag query to this can you just give us some advice for somebody who's maybe jealous of their new partner um well i think that a little jealousy in a relationship isn't that bad of a thing i think that that's a natural human emotion um and i think that we we get a little too 
wrapped up in people being like, oh, you, you shouldn't be jealous. Like, don't be jealous. Nobody likes jealousy. And that's true to an extent. But I think that acknowledging that you have negative feelings if you have them is actually a more mature thing to do. And if you can talk to your partner and say, this is why I'm feeling this way. I understand that maybe these feelings aren't totally rational and I shouldn't feel this way, but this is why I feel this way. And acknowledging your own insecurities and talking them out will actually help you get over some of those feelings of jealousy. Because if you can't have trust in a relationship, then there's no point in having that relationship. It's very true. Um, so what do you consider um, the main reasons for... Um, you mentioned things like pegging and sex toys, etc. Why, why do you think men who are comfortable showing their dick pics um, have issues with sex toys and, you know, and for bringing things that give a women pleasure? You know, what, what's this, the reason for these kind of weird, you know, what, what's for that weird change? Um, you know, like, people, like, I know guys who think if their partner uses a vibrator, then they're saying they're not good enough if that makes sense. Um, well, I think that it's actually the dichotomy between the dick pic and the fear of sex toys is actually very spot on. Um, guys want to show you their dicks in, in pictures because it's almost the ultimate, the ultimate act of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Damn it. I had it in my head. It's the, it's the ultimate act of, um, the domination or shock? No, it's, domination. it's the ultimate. It's, it's emasculation. It's them putting their dick in your face and being like, tell me my dick is big. And you actually have the, op the opportunity to be like, fuck that. And it's almost, it's putting them in a very vulnerable position that I don't even think guys realize that they've put themselves in. Um, so that's actually interesting an interesting um, segue into guys who are scared about sex toys in the bedroom. I think like if you're dating a guy who is afraid of a sex toy, then that guy has a lot of deep-seated insecurities that have nothing to do with you, and that's that guy's problem. Like there's something, like if you're scared of a sex toy, you, have, you don't have a lot of confidence, clearly. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to bring something into the bedroom that's going to like just be a booster. It's nothing about your penis size. And guys are so scared of their dick being small. And it's just not normal. Yeah, it seems a bit weird of having an issue with it, but sending a picture of it, you know, and then something that's there to help because you're maybe on the smaller side or, you know, you're maybe got a lower libido compared to your partner or whatever. You then have an issue with them using that to help them along or fulfill their needs. It's just an it's a interesting kind of mentality issue. Like you know, I just, I just don't really kind of gather it myself. I mean, I've used sex toys with various partners, and I've never had an issue of you know. It certainly heightens the pleasure for both sides. Um, so I mean, where do you see guys going wrong, with in sex in general? Is it um, is it they don't pay enough attention to foreplay? Is it they don't care enough about their own, their partner's needs, and it's just interesting getting themselves off? Can you repeat the question? I feel like I don't understand. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I do tend to waffle. I, I kind of throw about five questions in there. 
Um, I mean, it's not a big deal. I just, I, I, I somehow got stuck on the first thing you said and then missed the second. <laughs> that's been so said. That's been said before. No, I was just wondering: is there? I mean, what do you consider the main issues with guys being bad in bed and being, you know, is there? Do they care too much about their own satisfaction rather than their partners? Is it their? I think that that's definitely a factor. Their their um, sort of general disregard for the female body, but I think also, also it's it's a lot of the time it's not even a guy's fault that he is shitty at giving a girl an orgasm because there's not enough education to even have a guy understand how a female has an orgasm. Um, the clitoris and the vaginal opening are two inches apart, at least. And regular penetrative sex is not going to yield. There's, there's not going to be a yield burn orgasm there because you simply cannot get the stimulation that you need. So when you're learning about sex in sex ed in school, assuming you have sex ed at a lot of schools, you don't even have it. You just learn about penetrative sex and using a condom and you don't learn anything else. So there, it's not hard to understand that men wouldn't understand how a vagina works because they're never really taught how a vagina works. Does that make sense? Certainly. Yeah. It's, um, when we had it, it was a case of, you know, you, it goes up when you see a pretty girl, it goes down when you need the toilet, you have sex, <laughs> you buy put it in. That was how she basically told us, you know, we were, First, I think I'm not sure what that'll be in in your in the in the US, but we call it first year, so you're probably about thirteen, fourteen, maybe something along that area, and right. you know you're that's how they introduce sex education. It was like a kind of one off really discussion, maybe a bit more here and there, but it was so basic. You know, it was nothing about real masturbation or anything that you kind of have to discover yourself, and if you haven't got I don't like the word dominant partner or a partner who who knows what they want. You can a lot of guys can build up the kind of me 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 attitude, you know. Um, I it's just it's a real shame that a lot of women don't feel confident enough to ask for what they want, you know. But it's very true. A lot of guys don't even know how the female anatomy works. Um, exactly, and it's like, how are you supposed to know? what a clitoris does if that if it's not it's not taught because it's not seen as something that's important because it a clitoris doesn't make you pregnant so people don't think that they need to talk about it and unfortunately a lot of that education if you want your partner to give you an orgasm as a woman unfortunately one of the only ways to do it is to explain how to do it because most guys just don't they think just sticking it in and like dry humping you like you're a masturbation sleeve for five, for five minutes is going to give you an orgasm. And it really doesn't help that the sex guys see is primarily in porn. You, you see a guy in a porno and he's having sex with a girl and she's having an orgasm like from nothing. And that's not realistic. Those aren't realistic versions of sex. And how the fuck else are you supposed to think a vagina works if you've never seen how one actually works? Yeah, you see a lot of the, the jock hammer, you know, the the pound away and yeah it's i think there's bigger issues if they're taking their <laughs> their sex education from porn but i mean it's it's something that i think the british government were looking at banning porn 
you had to access it through credit cards, etc. You know, there would be no free porn sites because of they were worried about the issues of sexuality and people watching porn and believing it was sort of warping people's approaches to dating and sex, etc. Um, I can't remember the exact discussions about it, but they were going to remove it, like access to it from um, British servers, etc. Um, I mean, what's what do you consider the, the sort of weirdest sexual myth that you've heard? You know, like things like um, you can't get pregnant if you have sex while standing up. Oh, weird sexual myths. Um, I've written a lot about this before. What are like weird, what is like a weird sex myth? Oh, I had a guy, I had a guy who was legitimately in his 20s, like late 20s. And he was like, well, you know, the female orgasm doesn't exist. Like, it's just, it's just a, a myth. And I was like, oh, is it? Is it though? And it was really uncomfortable because I had, I don't think I had actually heard somebody who really believed that before. And that was really weird. Um, also, a lot of times, what do people say? Oh, weird shit. Like, you can't get, can't get pregnant when you're on top because of gravity. I'm like, these are just stupid things. And they're just more, that's just more responsibility for general male and female ignorance because when we're being told this bullshit, we don't know what to believe. Yeah, I mean, we had somebody in school who lost her virginity and said it's okay, you can't get pregnant while you st- um, if you do it while you're standing up. And she was... Yeah, I had a, I had a girl in high school say she w- didn't lose her virginity because it was anal. So... <laughs> people believe what they're going to believe, you know? You have to kind of wonder where, like, where these kind of ideas come from, you know? It's, it's interesting, let's put it that way. Um, so what's... While you've been investigating and researching and learning, etc., what's the weirdest or most interesting sex fact you've discovered over the years? Is there something that's kind of blown you away when you've learned about it? That um, probably didn't come out right. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I just learned something that was... Oh, well, I mean, this is... Can I do a fertility fact? Because I just learned this. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I went to an egg freezing seminar last night. Do you know what egg freezing is? It's sort of like IVF sort of thing. It is like, it's a little bit like IVF. Essentially like young women who are in their 20s or or 30s can get a bunch of their eggs frozen so that they can save them. So if they want to have a baby later. Oh, right. So they can reuse. Yeah, then they can use IVF. So I learned yesterday that if you freeze your eggs and you, you can, you have a equal chance of getting pregnant through IVF in your 40s as you would in your 20s because you used your young eggs jeez I thought that was cool that's doesn't it seem weird that's that's really strange that's what I love about this kind of podcast is when you ask somebody you know what's the strangest thing you find I mean I love weird and interesting facts like that and you wouldn't think that because you always hear that of like you know like People who have kids later in life have more issues or struggles to get pregnant, etc. That's really cool, actually. And do you mean do you meet a lot of people who have gone through this procedure? Um, I mean, I hadn't. I was just. I have a friend who does PR for a egg freezing clinic, so I was interested in learning more about it, which is a lot of what this job is. It's a lot of 
people asking you if you want to learn about something, and then you go and learn stuff. It's really sick. No, it's, a, it's certainly an interesting job. Um, I just don't know, like, coming in hangover on a Monday morning and, you know, you're maybe not feeling very well and having to write about pegging sometimes might not be the... But no, it's... I feel like it... I'll... I feel like the sex writing is sort of natural for me. It's honestly the easiest job. Well, that's why. I mean, this is the first time since I've started this podcast that I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's at the start, <laughs> you get to a point where, you, you know, everybody goes, oh, you've got to produce content. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You have to produce things three times a day um, to keep people interested. And since I've started interviewing people and just getting to know them and asking them weird and strange questions... I've noticed what a different, you know, it's, you learn so much more and people are liking it so much more. And, you know, especially when I get to chat to people like yourself who, who I love for their stuff and it's, you just get to know them and you just think, what cracking, you know, it's, life's about experiences and learning. So, um, talking of which, if you've got somebody who has been maybe in a relationship for ages, they've, they're very experienced with their partner, they've gone through the phases, you know, they've they've gone past the honeymoon period, shall we say, how can they keep the spice there? How can they keep the fires burning? Um, well, I think that, first of all, I think that a lot of couples, uh, they let things get a little bit um, stale. They sort of just are okay with the fact that they've been in a long-term relationship, so they shouldn't need to keep it up. And they're like, oh, we don't have sex as much. That's fine. Um, we'll just deal with that. And that actually isn't a good thing. You should always try to keep the fires burning in your long-term relationship because that's really important. And sex is always going to be important. And even if you have kids, like you just have to keep having sex all the time. My mom tells me this all the time. <laughs> and she and my dad are in their 60s. So um, TMI. But I think if you want to keep the if you want to keep the um, the fires burning in your relationship, you have to be really open and honest about your feelings and like what is working for you and what isn't. If you're not, if you want to try something that might be a little bit outside of your partner's comfort zone, you have to be willing to talk about that. Like maybe they don't want to do it, but if you talk about it, you'll feel better about it, and you have to be willing to try new shit. I always say like you should try pretty much everything one time, like. Even pegging. I think all guys should try pegging. And I think that it's cool to experiment. And maybe you try it and you don't like it. And that's okay. But you should still try it. So I think that experimenting and being sure that you're still connecting with your partner in a sexual way for as long, even though you've been together forever, is going to be really important to keeping your relationship strong. Yeah, I mean, I find that whenever I can get somebody who's willing to have sex for me, it's usually, I, you know, I just can't stop fancying them. And you, as you learn more about them and you learn, you know, you go out and do stuff together and you grow experiences together, it, I, I just don't get the how you can sort of fall out. I mean, I know it gets, life gets difficult, etc. But I just find making a bit of time, you know, the holding hands, going for walks, etc. You know, it doesn't need to always be about the sex, but... Um, maybe I've just not had very many long-term relationships. Maybe I'm just seeing it with rose-tinted specs, you know. Um, I'm probably getting an old-fashioned, you know. I'm, I was born too early, uh, too late, I think. Um, so what 
One of the articles I've really enjoyed, um, something that I've had, I've noticed with, I, I do a lot of powerlifting and like lifting weights, etc. Um, that really helps me mentally, physically, etc. And I really enjoyed your article on, you know, how it's um, working out helps people's sex life. Can you just give yeah. some examples about why people should do it? What kind of things you'd recommend they do? Just to... uh, sure. Um, um, I think that working out, working out, um, helps with your libido, and that uh, it helps release endorphins that are actually the same kind of endorphins that you have released during sex because it's physical activity. And doing that on a regular basis can keep your energy levels much higher, which will make you physically fit for sex. Also, when you have those endorphins running through your body, um, you're going to end up being turned on because it is the, like your, your physical body chemistry wants to, is now in a positive place and that's going to lead you to being horny. So if you're, if you're just sitting around and being sluggish all the time and watching TV, like that's great sometimes, but eventually it's going to make you lazy. It's going to lower your libido and it's going to make you not want to have sex as much. Also being physically fit and being comfortable in your body because you care about your body is going to make you feel sexier because you're going to feel more confident. And I think that those things are really important for your health and for your sex life. Mm. Also, if you can date somebody who you can lift with, that's true love. I like that. I've, I've now, since I've started the gym again, it's, I've got a type. I want somebody who goes to the gym, somebody who lifts weights. I find the girls who do powerlifting far sexier than the girls who let it all hang out on a night out. You know, there's just something about somebody who squats and deadlifts and t looks after themselves, etc. I don't know. It's maybe I'm just weird. I don't know. Um, no, I totally agree with you. Um, I lift with my boyfriend multiple times a week, and it's we're like that. We're that fucking annoying couple at the gym who like works out together. Uh, <laughs> and I'm very in a, like inappropriate with him at the gym. It's like not good, but I don't. Know. <laughs> um. And I love that about him, that he cares about his body. And I mean, I tell him all the time, like, even when you're old and saggy, I'll love you no matter what. <laughs> and you'll still be sexy to me. And I'll still grab your ass even when you're 80. But I think that the fact that he cares about his body is really sexy. And I think that that's something to be valued. No, it sounds like you got... you should go crazy with it. Sounds like you got a great yeah. relationship and it's something, you know, that I would like myself um, to have that kind of... You'll find it. Just don't settle. Yeah, well, that was something I was going to come to. One of your great articles about, you know, the, the guy you're saying about getting back into it and you're like, you don't settle. Find what you want. You know, do you find that people are just scared to not be in a relationship so they jump into things? You know, are they not comfortable in their own skin so they need somebody else to sort of buoy them up? Oh, absolutely. I think that... So many people are in relationships because they're terrified of being alone. Um, I think one of the things that's right about my relationship is that uh, my boyfriend and I like actually like each other. And weirdly enough, that's a lot rarer than you think. I have a lot of friends who are in relationships with people, with guys especially, or girls who are in relationship with, relationships with guys who are just assholes to them. And they are so scared to be single that they just put up with this garbage. And the thing about being with somebody who you actually, who actually deserves you is, like, you meet somebody who doesn't treat you like shit anymore. And it's 
It's actually a strange phenomenon to be with somebody who actually is nice to you and actually treats you the way that you want to be treated. And then all of a sudden, it beco everything becomes very clear and very easy. And you're like, oh, there are actually people in the world who aren't going to be a complete asshole to me. That's, that's nice. And then, and then you realize that you're not willing to put up with anything less. Yeah. And I think that being with my partner has actually made it impossible for me to ever settle. No, no, it's good that you've sort of seen what you're willing to accept. And I mean, obviously, I wish you nothing but success for your current partner, but it's good that you know now, you know, you've you've seen what is there, what is possible. I've, I mean, I've settled by and by staying in bad relationships and when I met the girl who my first love it was at that point of I didn't know that was possible I it, it didn't feel like that was possible and I think that's why I got so messed up when we broke up was the fact that I thought that was the only time I was going to get it which is wrong which is erroneous thinking but in your head you think that's the only person that can offer that um we're coming up to 53 minutes. Are you okay for just a few more questions? Just a quick yeah, few. Um, one of the things I like doing is just a quick, fast question break. Just I throw out a few kind of statements and you just answer a couple questions, like just a couple of words. So things like, what's your favourite music? Um, rock. So what kind of song? Rock. And what kind of songs would you listen to? Um, Is there favourite bands? A lot of Pink Floyd, a lot of Led Zeppelin. Um, I'm a big Beatles fan. Super cliche. Um, yeah. Wish uh, You Were Here will always be my favorite song. Good choice. Um, what's your favorite exercise to do at the gym? The elliptical, I guess. Because I can listen to podcasts when I'm on it. Ah. Have you listened to any of my stuff before, truthfully? No. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts. It hurts. I'm not a good liar. Do you know, I'd rather... I thought, this, is like, this sounds really stupid, and I should have just looked at my email, but for some reason I thought the podcast was called The Gentleman's Podcast, and I kept looking for it and couldn't find it, and I was like, I must be doing something wrong. And it never <laughs> occurred to me to just look at your fucking email. Do you know, I've had people kind of go, what the fuck is a next level guy? And it sounds so cheesy that I had to re like re write it in my head of how I would sell it to somebody, you know, if I was in an elevator with them. Because um, even the way I used to say it, I've, I actually wanted to slap myself. It was that boring. Um, so what's a really guilty pleasure of yours? And you can be as dirty or as clean or whatever you want. This is, it's explicit, so just go for it. Um, this sounds so stupid, but, like, chocolate cake. I can actually get by an actual cake. Like, not a mini cake. Like, a regular one. And eat the entire thing in a sitting. And that sounds very enjoyable right now, actually. That is impressive. I like it. Um, yeah, have you got, got an appetite. Have you got a favourite kind of brand that you go for? Like when you're having one of those... Yeah, what kind of... Is there like a certain place you I get like them from? Just like your gross grocery store style cake. Just cheap and nasty, just slam it. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Like, yeah. it's, like, dirty and quick. <laughs> oh, I could make so many bad jokes just now. Um, so I know. Catch up for it. What's your favorite film? Closer. With Natalie Portman, Julia Roberts, um, that one British guy who's really hot, and then Jude Law. No. I don't think I've seen that one, actually, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's super good. So what did you want to be as a kid? Did you always want to be a writer, or was there something I else? I always wanted to be a writer. Yeah, I wanted to be like... But I didn't want to be a sex writer. I wanted to be Ernest Hemingway. I thought I was going to be, like, the next great American novelist. No, still plenty of time to do it, you know? Write a few books. Yeah, and... I appreciate the encouragement. <laughs> so what was your first pet? I, I had a dog named Sandy, who on St. Patrick's Day I dyed green, and then my mom took her away. So what kind of uh, what kind of dog was she? She was a schnoodle. She was like a poodle schnauzer mix. Nice. I mean, we I grew up with uh, border collies, and I liked them better than people. You know, it was uh, yeah. maybe it says more about me <laughs> than them, to be honest. Um, so, if you could have any superpower at all, what would you go for? Um, super strength. Yeah, I suppose you need it in the gym, you know, helping along. And you so got. I was thinking for for beating up bad guys like rapists and stuff. Because you know, women have women is kind of get is gonna get a little dark, but women always feel afraid for their physical safety. Always. It would be nice not to feel that. Yeah, I mean, even as a guy, I sometimes feel that you know, like when you're out at night and you're passing a group of guys, etc. That there's that uncomfortable moments or, you know, you're walking down a dark alleyway, etc. And it must be horrific for a woman, but... Yeah, we have the, not just the robbery and beat up thing, but the rape thing, so... It's the kind of horrible... So the superhero power thing got a little dark there. No, no. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. I mean, it's, it's good to see the reason behind it, you know? It's that kind of... That it's not just a sort of silly thing. It's something that you've actually thought about and... It's it's just a horrible kind of thing about society that there is people who use sex as a, a you know to overpower somebody and dominate and control them. Um, unfortunately, there's always going to be these horrible people in society. That's why I'm starting the podcast. You know, try to get more people looking at making themselves better and helping others, etc. Um, it's a good thing you're doing here. And what's uh, an unusual fact about yourself that? Only maybe a few people very close to you would know about you. Have you got a, a weird interest or a, an unusual skill that you could share? Such an, I'm such an open book. What is like an unusual skill? Uh, um, I'm actually a really good cook. Oh, have you got and a favorite meal? Not that many people know about that. So if you were to make your partner a special dinner, what would you go for? What's your go-to special meal? Okay, this is like this sounds really stupid and does not make me sound like a good cook. But we, I make, I make like restaurant level quesadillas. They're so fucking good. I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean it doesn't make me sound like a good cook, but they're really fucking good. No, it's making me hungry now. Actually, <laughs> I know. I'm like looking at my literally looking at my fridge right now, and I was like, I'm gonna make one of those for lunch. <laughs> That's what I keep forgetting is for me it's coming up to sort of towards dinner time for you guys it's lunch time you know it's like a normal day and I'm asking questions that you maybe discuss having a, 
with a few beers later on after work, etc. Um, oh, so, yeah. Well, this is what I do all day. <laughs> do you ever have, like, a sort of days that you can't be bothered with it? I mean, do you, is there ever times that you regret going, writing about these sort of things? Do you ever wish that you'd maybe gone down a different area? Or have you always just really enjoyed it and is, it, is the passion still there? The passion's definitely still here. I think that this career isn't really for a lot of people. Um, writing about sex can be a bit overwhelming for some. It can also be, I think the general gratuitousness of it can be a little bit exhausting for others. I think that I don't have a filter and I never have had one. And I also love attention. So I'm down for it. And I never really feel wary of it. So it works for me. Um, so I've just got a couple more. Um, five people, alive or dead, that you would like to have a dinner with. Okay. Um, Audrey Hepburn, Ernest Hemingway, Faulkner, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, and... Uh, Sylvia Plath. That'd be an unusual dinner party. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, it would be a little. It would be. It would be a lot of strong people with very different opinions. I mean, is there some? Is there a reason for each of them, or is it are they just, just people who have made a sort of an impact in your life growing up? I mean, Teddy Roosevelt, I think, is like the dopest president ever. He's like shoot bears. That's sick. He would be fun to have a dinner. Um, Hemingway's my favorite author, so is Faulkner, kind of a, a tie, but then also Sylvia Plath is like my favorite woman author, and Audrey Hepburn is the coolest movie star ever. Talk about a woman who was just like, I'm fabulous and don't need any man. She was certainly something, I mean, um, in my current job, uh, we actually have just got a joiner to put up a picture of her for the fashion department. And it was strange that you said Audrey Hepburn because I've seen, I've been talking about her picture, this frame, getting it put up onto the wall, etc. So I was invest, you know, I was looking up on Wikipedia just to see about her, and it was really interesting how strong and like you know that she just took no shit basically. Um, so maybe it's a good role model for any female listeners. Um, so if you could speak to all of mankind at once. Say every guy was listening to this just now, what would you tell them? Would you say something from f- for women or would you give them a piece of advice? You know, Is there something that you could maybe... Is there a rant that you maybe would have? Sorry, could you, could you repeat the question? <laughs> um, one of the questions I always like asking is, say if every guy in the world was listening to this right now, what would you like Everyone? to say to them? What would I like to say to them? Um, treat women as equals and don't degrade women because society is what made you a sexist piece of shit. So it's not your fault. So unlearn the behavior. No, it's, I mean, what's that saying that you can blame your parents and your environment up to a certain point, but once you're an adult, you can you know you can basically change anything you want. It's up to you to how you live your life as you, not in, it's not on anybody else. Like, there's a there's an actual phrase for it, but people who blame their parents or their upbringing or their their situation, I just find that really unfair because you're an adult, you can change it. 
Um, it's it's a sad state of affairs, unfortunately. Um, and if somebody's wanting to keep in touch with you just now, um, I loved your Instagram, by the way. Which it, It's just every time I was looking through them, and you know, it's like I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but you really should check them out. That's when I thought, yep, I've got to interview her. What is what's the best way for people to keep in touch with you? You know, which sites should they go to? What's your social media um, handles, etc. Oh, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Gigi Engel and Twitter at Gigi Engel. And then you can follow my Facebook page, Gigi Engel Writer. You can also find me on my website at MissGigiEngel.com. You can also follow my writing at Thrillist. You just Google it. Yeah, well, what I'll do is I'll put all the links, etc. on and, you know, the sort of stuff that we've been discussing. Um, I realise I'm actually over my time, so I'll, I'll let you go make your quesadillas. Um, so is there anything that you maybe want to say now? The floor is yours. Is there a product that you want to promote? Um, have you got maybe a Facebook group coming up or an event maybe that you want to promote to anybody listening? Um, well, when is this going to be up? Yeah, um, hopefully either today or tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, if you're in the New York area, I'm teaching a class on sexting, which I'm posting on my Facebook page. So come to it if you can, because it's going to be really lit. And what's your podcast called? Oh, and you can find my podcast. It's called Dirty Sexy Monogamy. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud. Perfect. Well, I obviously knew that because I'd heard it, and it's very enjoyable. And I've, I'm, I've recently subscribed as well, so um, I'll be waiting for the next oh episode. Oh my god, I'm so flattered. Please listen to all of them. You're like one of our only listeners. <laughs> well, I would say listen to mine, but, you know, seeing as you, don't, you can't remember the name. <laughs> no, I will. Like, what do you mean you feel bad? No, um... I was like, oh god, if he asked, I'm not going to be able to lie. Like, I can't lie. No, I pretty... I mean, there's so many great podcasts lately. I mean, what kind of podcasts do you listen to... Well, you're on the... Oh, my God. I listen to, like, so many. That was the thing. It's like I listen to a hundred billion podcasts. Like, The Moth and Sex Lives and The Guys We Fucked and... Oh, I've heard... I've listened to a few of theirs, yeah. Yeah, they're so good. And I only listen to the podcast at the gym because that's my... That's how I get myself to go to the gym. I tell myself I can listen to podcasts. So I can never listen to all of them. It's very stressful. First world problems. Um, no, that's great. Well, all I can say is thank you very much for your time. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, sorry we had to rearrange the dates, etc. But it's, you know, I never thought it'd be as good, uh, as enjoyable as it is to chat to you just now. Oh, um, good. I'm so glad. I had a great time too. No, I've, uh, I've not done an interview for a while and I was worried that I'd maybe say more stupid things than I have an idea. But, I haven't um, said anything stupid. You've been delightful. <laughs> Well, I've, I've been called a lot worse in my time, so I'll take that. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'll be in contact soon when we get the link up and ready. And um, thanks again, and uh, enjoy your lunch. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life. Talk soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kiki. Uh, no worries. Bye. Thanks.